they had uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, who was running to be president of the United States, was saying that um, we can't be civil with people that are out to destroy what we're trying to do. No civility when dealing with other people. And um, then uh, Eric Holder, who used to be in the highest law enforcement in our country, said, you know, Michelle Obama said, when they go low, you go, we go high. He said, no, no, no. When they go low, you kick them. That's what the new Democrat Party is all about. And I'm thinking, boy, I, I don't want to be part of that. <laughs> Remember last week we talked about, you know, Jesus saying, you know, um, when your enemy does wrong to you, you do good for them. You overcome evil with good. And then we have this example this week of people that are saying just the opposite, aren't they? I mean, that's so wrong. Praise God. I mean, even Michelle Obama came out against that and said, no, I still stand by if someone else goes low, you go high. No, it's wrong to not be civil. And, you know, I forget her exact wording, but she came against uh, them saying kick people when they're going low and not being civil. So at least she has some common sense about her. But uh, but his presentation and, and Hillary's is that's what the new Democratic Party is all about. And so uh, as a believer, I don't want to be a part of that. Not that I'm saying there's other parties that are good or better or whatever, but that's what they're vocalizing. I don't want to be a part of that. It's, it's so anti-God, anti-kingdom of God, anti-teachings of Christ. Um, and it's, it's fun, though, to see how the enemy is so distraught and concerned and worried and fighting for power that is really revealing um, himself in ways. You know, I think about some of the things we looked at when we were looking at principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, this age, some of the attacks they would use like against Daniel and different ones where these government leaders would come in and try to pass this law and try to go against Daniel or something, get him thrown in the lion's dead. And then, you know, God protects them and they are the ones that end up getting eaten by the lions and how a lot of the stuff gets turned around on them. And, and I definitely see God doing that um, in our political structure in the country today. And we see it more and more where um, you know, it's it's coming back on them. Um, the very words they speak coming back on them, and um, I just don't want to be part of that kind of stuff. We we need civility. We need uh, common sense. We need to be able to talk. Uh, people that have totally different views. I saw some people had different views on some hearings and stuff that just happened recently, and they were just having a hard time having a a logical conversation because they would run to one extreme or one or the other and i'm like well let's look at it in a balanced way let's talk about this and you know use some common sense and be honest and not just say because it's this side oh i'm against all of it or because it's on that side i'm a for all of it or whatever and, and just what a mess that we have in our country but let's look at matthew chapter 18 um i think i'll just look at this small little section i alluded to it last week I think and um, I don't have like some big message I'm not um, prepared to go any deeper into the judgment righteousness stuff that we've been looking at and all that um, been a little distracted this week's part of the reason but um, Matthew chapter 18 and we'll start in verse 1 um It's fun because this is um, 
one of those areas where, do you know, um, the disciples argued from time to time. Um, seems like it was actually somewhat common for them to argue amongst themselves. Do you remember what they would argue about? It happened a number of times in Jesus' ministry. His disciples, those that were closest to him, would argue. You know what they argued about? Who was going to sit next to him on his right? Yeah, basically, yeah. Who was the favorite? Yeah, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Who's going to be the greatest? Uh, yeah, James and John even got mom involved. Hey, sit on the right and left, you know? I mean, why wouldn't you get mom involved? Oh. She's a Jewish mom, so I guess you know if we know anything about that. Obviously, she's going to be involved. But uh, <laughs> yeah, who's going to be the greatest? Who is the greatest? You know, uh, you know what? And of course, you know the disciples would run into the same thing that we run into today. The same issues that happen. It's just common. Has happened throughout history. They would judge by human standards. Judge by sight not by faith they would judge by worldly standards or world standards not by kingdom standards uh you know they because what would you think about in being great in the kingdom or being great in the ministry uh when you're thinking in this world you start thinking about education you start thinking about intelligence um charisma ability to communicate um you know all these types of things Praise God, God doesn't do it that way, amen? <laughs> right? Moses was one of the great, I mean, he was like a God. That's, that's how God used Moses, like a God. God said it himself, I'll make you like a God. He, he had a hard time talking. He wasn't a good talker. Paul says that he wasn't real good at, at talking. Apollos was good at it, but Paul wasn't all that good at it. Um, praise God that he doesn't go and get the ones that are the best or the best educated or all that. I mean, look at the disciples. I mean, you had like fishermen and tax collectors and just common everyday folk that, that were some of the closest to Jesus that are going to be sitting at on 12 thrones judging. You know, wow, you know. Um, praise God that he doesn't use those standards. But um, I think this little section here in Matthew 18 really kind of helps bring it together. So this is, again, you know, the disciples are there and arguing or talking or wondering about who's going to be the greatest in kingdom. And they actually come to Jesus. Uh, I'm reading from the New International Version, Matthew 18, 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believes to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And so here's the disciples, and they're all thinking about, you know, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Hey, well, we'll just ask Jesus. <laughs> we'll get the answer, you know. I'm sure some of them were more confident than others. Peter, obviously, would have been pretty confident, I guess. You know, he was... <laughs> Um, John, the one who Jesus loved, he was really close to Jesus. You know, he might be really confident. Um, not so sure how confident Judas would be at the answer. but <laughs> They go, hey, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus calls this little child, 
and has them stand in front of him. And I wonder what that looked like. So you got this little kid standing there in front of them while Jesus is saying, hey, you got to be like a child to come into the kingdom. You know, you welcome a child. What do you think that child's doing? That sta- You think he's just like, I don't know, standing there at attention? Anybody know a little child that would just stand there at attention? Or what would it? I, I think little children, maybe they'd probably start playing or something. Play with some rocks, start, start doing something. I don't know, drawing on the ground. Who knows? I mean, it's a little child. Just going to be there, just do whatever, enjoying life, you know, not worried about what's going on, not worried about what the answer of who's the greatest is going to be. <laughs> you know, maybe listening, I don't know, playing. Yeah, he's a child. Definitely not worried about, you know, what Herod's thinking or whether the leaders are trying to kill somebody or whatever. It's just, hey, you know, here. Like they'd be the exact opposite of our kids today. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, happy. You know, you know, hey, this is cool. Here I am in the middle of these people. Oh, well, eh, play, whatever. Uh, and Jesus saying, hey, you got to be like a child. You got to humble yourself. You got to, when we're talking about God's kingdom and we're talking about moving forward with what we do for Christ and, and our place in his body, uh, one of the most important things is for us to humble ourselves, to not be looking at, oh, you know, I did this, I did this. You know, you ever uh, hear people or see people or uh, run into people that talk about, you know, how many people they led to the Lord or how how good they are at reading the Bible or how often they pray or how long they pray or something like that. Um, there are people that can get caught up into so many different things and they're just worried about so much stuff. And he's like, listen, you got to humble yourself. Just be a child. Just, just come to me not knowing all the answers, not knowing all the questions, not knowing what to do. Just come to me in innocence and in honesty and just humble yourself, and that's the way to be great in the kingdom. Uh, just, just walk with a, a childlike faith, a childlike attitude. Um, how many of you know children, I mean, we have the shy side in that, but uh, in general, especially little babies and stuff, they're pretty open a lot of times to just meeting people or smiling or interacting with other people. They don't come with a lot of judgments <laughs> with individuals and things like that. I mean, yeah, I know there's the shyness factor that a lot of them have, but I mean, I, if I see a baby somewhere and I like wave at it or something, normally it's going to smile. Um, it's going to be a wave back. Yeah. You know, uh, we learn how to be more apprehensive as we get older, but especially little children there, if, if someone's being nice to them, they're going to be pretty open to just accepting and 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 jesus is like you need to be like that you need to just be innocent you need to be kind you need to be accepting um loving um just you know meeting people where they're at um that that type of thing just all all that's involved with that he said you definitely have to be like a little child um uh, and and he even makes it stronger because he says there in uh, verse three he says and he said uh, i tell you the truth unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. He's not even talking about being great in the kingdom. He's saying, if you can't be like a child when you're coming to me, you can't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, you know, sometimes after we've served the Lord for a while, or if we've been in a church for a while, or denomination, especially if we have some training and 
we know all the doctrines and we know all these things. Sometimes we can get to this point where we're just like, like we know, um, we have the answers, um, we can tell other people. Um, Jesus even confronted the leaders of his day. You know, you think you're wise, you think you're teachers, you know, uh, this is a principle that comes uh, comes up in the Bible, and yet you, you're not. You're not even able to teach. You're not even able to train. You're not even able to help someone else. Uh, always having that childlike attitude, always having that childlike faith, always having that humbleness to, to come to him um, and, and be able to then be exalted by God into that position. And then uh, this is the one that, that I alluded to, I think, last week or mentioned last week was verse 5. It says, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones to believe in me to sin, it would be better to him, for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. And when you talk about depths of the sea, that's an image of hell. That's an image of separation from God. That's an image far away. And a large millstone, you know how big those those stones were? I mean, it took like ox or ox, several oxes, was oxen, several oxen to like move them around. I mean, they'd be like hundreds or thousands of pounds. They were huge, these millstones that they would use for, for, for grinding stuff. He's saying, you know, tie that around your neck and be thrown in the sea. How many of you know you're going to go to the bottom? <laughs> you got that around your neck. He said, that would be better than what's going to happen to you if you're causing these little ones that believe in me to sin. And how many of you know there's a lot of people that are causing little ones to sin? I used to do that. I used to think it was funny to get them in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> on the bus, you know, because when we were going to school, you know, because I could I could tell them to do something and they'd do it, and the bus driver would get mad at them. You know? They'd get caught. <laughs> I thought that was funny, but then I realized... That's not doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> it was funny for a while. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Well, wait, that's not right. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't there a thing I read to you last night that you got tickled at? What? Grandpas cause little ones yeah. to do mischief. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Grandpa's job did. Get the little ones into mischief. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, give them a bunch of sugar and caffeine and send them home. And (laughs) but that's Grandpa being a little kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I guess you know, getting in trouble and causing them to sin might be a little different. But yeah, sin is falling short of the glory of God. And he's like, hey, listen, uh, if you're leading the children astray leading them away from god leading them down a wrong path man that that's that's dangerous territory to go into there is degrees when it comes to punishment there is degrees when it comes to hell separation from god all those things and people that are targeting children individuals that are trying to corrupt and lead children away from god and down a dark path are facing deepest darkest judgment um it's god takes it seriously Uh, and we live in a country where from the top down there are individuals trying to force children to go down dark paths trying to change uh the culture change the atmosphere change the gender change the thinking change all kinds of stuff with children and 
man, talk about bringing on the wrath of God. Talk about bringing on the judgment of God. Talk about uh, bringing on destruction for yourself. Um, God doesn't support any of that stuff. And especially when it comes to innocent, with just children, when it comes to those that are in need, orphans, um, widows, uh, people like that, God has a very, very soft spot in his heart for them. He always cares for and loves the widows and the orphans. He's always there. And Jesus said, hey, when you're accepting these little ones, when you're protecting the little ones, when you're um, taking the, the, the children and um, treating them in the way that you should, you're doing that to me. I mean, that that is what I am receiving. That That's like um, having a proper understanding of, of who I am. Uh, it's um, He says it this way in verse 5. He says, whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. I mean, if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you want to know and you want to move forward with what God has for you in the kingdom of heaven. Man, one of the things we need to do is we need to be protecting children. We need to be sheltering them, loving them, helping them to grow um, and be able to have a right relationship with God, being aware of these destructive thoughts and ideas and teachings that are coming at them and, and counteract them and stand up against them and, and be willing to be there for a child. Um, and, and they need it uh, so much, uh, especially in our country. I mean, the children are being led down to seriously dark paths. Um, especially in areas of like sexuality and things like that. It's just, it's horrible. The stuff that they're forcing on children, um, telling them in schools, okay, you need to let boys go in the girls locker room. If they say they're a girl, girl go in the boys locker room. If they say they're a boy, things like that, you know, and it's just like, um, man, it, who would have ever thought, I mean, we're all old enough to go. If someone told us that, when we were young, we would have been like, no, what? That's never going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen in your country. No. 30 years ago, they told us that. We wouldn't have believed it. 20 years ago, we wouldn't have believed it. I don't know. Maybe even 10 years ago, we wouldn't have. But sure, happening today, there's actually school systems and stuff. They're having, <laughs> there was uh, two universities now for homecoming. They got away from homecoming king and queen because they don't want to have it be gender so they're just going to have a royalty or something so it can be all gender inclusive and um we, we want to make sure that oh and the 17th of this month they're having um what is it um personal pronoun recognition day or something i forget what they called it but it's a day to let everybody know that it's okay that whatever pronoun they want to go by whether they want to be a he or a she or a me or a they or a z or a gee or whatever i don't know there's like a hundred and some different genders now that we need to recognize that and celebrate that and so the 17th of this month is supposed to be they're trying to make that a national day um one of the schools and one of the, one of the mayors of one of the towns yeah hey, praise god isn't that oh man that's the 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 sad thing about all that is they're going after the children they're going after kids they're telling kids that aren't old enough to decide what color they want to color their in their coloring book you should decide what gender you're going to be for the rest of your life it's going to affect you go ahead and decide so you're five years old six years old 
seven, eight, whatever. That that's abuse. That's horrible. That's wrong. And God's not happy with it. I guarantee you God's not happy with it. And you can talk about, oh, well, you're against transgenders and stuff. No, I'm against abusing children and teaching them stuff that's wrong. That's what I'm against. You, you can't, and it's adults forcing it onto children. Um, and then getting them to go along with their indoctrination that they teach them. And then saying, well, it's the children's idea. No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, you know, a lot of children don't come up with ideas on their own. They kind of hear it and learn it from around them. If you have a young person that swears a lot and things like that, what do you know about that person? They learned it from their parents. It's happening in their home or their environment, someplace that they're, I mean, it's, they didn't just, of course, now with all the TV and stuff, I guess they could pick some of that up from there. But yeah, generally speaking, that's what it's going to be, right? Uh, you got you got a child that's like all racist and always talks bad about other uh, ethnic groups and things like that. What are you going to know about that child? It's the environment they're in, right? They don't come up with this by themselves. They have to be taught these things. Um, praise God. Uh, it's just... It breaks my heart to see the kind of world that we're in with the way children are being used and abused and they become tools. It comes in even with things like gun control and all that kind of stuff. They'll have some horrible tragedy and then they'll use children to try to promote what they're trying to do and and uh, shut up ones that don't go along with what they want to do. And it's just uh, the imbalance, the injustice is just such a mess in this country. Um it, matter of fact, here's the way Jesus says it in verse 7. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Explanation point, my NIV Bible. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. Another explanation point. Um, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands and or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hellfire. Um, verse 10. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. And so he says, man, you know, Woe to the world because of all this stuff that's causing people to sin. He's like, it's it's going to happen. It happens. It's just part of what's what's going on in this corrupt world. He says, but woe to the man through whom they come. Uh, it's like someone was going to betray Jesus, one of the close to him, right? It was it was prophesied, but woe to Judas when it happened to him, right? Didn't end up real well for him. Um, and woe to those that are, that are doing those things, that are, that are bringing that corruption, that are causing children to sin, that are leading people down false paths. And then he talks about entering into life with a body that's maimed, that cutting off the body. And I think, you know, one of the ways I always look at this is, is you think about Jesus and how he entered into heaven. Uh, remember when um, Thomas wasn't there and he doubted that Jesus was there? And Jesus appears to him and he says, here, put your finger into the holes in my wrist and stick your hand in my side and see that. 
his body still had the holes from the crucifixion. I imagine his head still had cuts from the crown of thorns. His back was still shredded from the whipping. And remember those whips in that day had like pieces of uh, weight and, and metal and different things in the leather that would sink into their flesh and actually pull out pieces of flesh as they whip, whip them and would shred their backs. And I always look at this as like Jesus saying he's going into heaven with a body that's maimed. He's going into eternal life with parts of his flesh, parts of his body that are not there, um, that were whipped out, holes in his hands. And, and I see that as the, another illustration of the idea of, you know, we have once saved, always saved. If you're in the body of Christ, you're always in the body of Christ. That it is possible for individuals to be in the body of Christ and then reject, turn away from God, lead others to sin, and be that part of the body that's like pouring out, torn out. Um, and that he was willing to enter into heaven uh, with a body that wasn't whole. Um, and, and that's one of the ways I look at it as another illustration of him saying, hey, man, if you're in, you need to stay in. Uh, if you're in, you need to keep yourself humble. If you're in, you need to watch out that you're not going for all this, oh, I'm going to be great in heaven and exalting yourselves and moving up into a denomination, church system, all this kind of thing. You need to be worried about the kingdom of God. You need to worry about the little ones. You need to be going to the poor, the widows, the orphans. You need to go be going to places where um, you're not going to get a lot of exaltation in what you're doing and a lot of people aren't going to be applauding you and it's not going to necessarily look good on a piece of paper but in the kingdom of heaven it's going to be important and that's one of the ways i always look at this um but woe to them through who they come and then he says you know uh not to look down on the little ones because they're angels in heaven always see the face of my father in heaven and this is where uh, a lot of people, this is where they get the idea of guardian angels and all that type of thing. And I don't know exactly what all he's referring to here, but he's saying the angels of the little ones always see the face of God. So don't be looking down on the little ones. Angels are involved in the kingdom of heaven. Angels are involved in life. Um, Jacob saw a ladder. It looked like a ladder or stairs. Angels ascending and descending. Um, in Jesus' life, there are angels ascending and descending. In his life, there's a few times they kind of see him or mention him. There were times they came and ministered to him and they were involved. Um, and you see it. He could have called 10,000 angels. They would have came uh, when he was on the cross. They were involved in his life. And, and there's angels involved around us. I don't know what all they're doing, all he's doing. I know they're ministering spirits. I know they're involved. I know they can hear. I know they can see. I know they can speak. I know they can do things, whatever God has them to do. They can kill thousands of people, whatever they have to do. Not that they would be doing that now because now we're in a time of grace in life. But they're involved and he's like, hey, you need to be watching what you're doing with the little ones because angels are involved. How, how many of you would want an angel to bring a bad report to heaven for you? I mean... How many of you want a good report? You're helping a little one. No one else knows, but you're, you, there's a little child that needs help. There's a little child that needs protecting. There's a little child that's being hurt or abused, and you, you're in there protecting them, helping them, uh, rescuing them, welcoming a little child in the name of God. Nobody else knows. How many of you want that? know that, that, that it, there could be angels going to heaven saying, hey, look, check out what they're doing. Hey, God. You know, give him a better position in heaven. Look at what he's doing. Um, there's something like that going on. Uh, and I, I can't give you all the details because the Bible doesn't give us all the details. 
but that's what Jesus said, so we know it's a, there's something going on. Um, and then he talks about uh, verse 12. He says, what do you think if a man owns 100 sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. And again, here's that focus. It's the focus on the children. It's a focus on the little ones. It's a focus on new believers, really, even that, um, that we don't want them to be lost. We don't want someone that comes into the kingdom of heaven to walk away. We need to be involved in other people's lives. When uh, individuals are new in the walk with God, we need to be there to mentor them, to train them, to disciple them, to help them to have a strong relationship with God so then they can do that for others. We need to be protecting children. We need to be protecting, protecting new believers. We need to be leading them in the paths of righteousness uh, on the, the word of God and, and making sure that we're not ones that are causing them to sin, teaching them false doctrines or ideas or thoughts or ways letting the world come in and corrupt things, uh, always standing against those types of things because that's what's important to God. He's like, I don't want little ones to be lost. Uh, and, he, and he even goes on to some uh, examples of ways we can do some of this in verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Uh, just between the two of you, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. And here he's dealing in the body of Christ. Remember, the context is, how are you going to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Well, if somebody does you wrong, what you don't do is go talk about them. What you don't do is go to everybody else and say what they did wrong. Uh, you don't go and raise this big army of other people to go against them. or something. You go to them personally, one-on-one, -on -one, and you say, hey, listen, you did wrong. You did, you did me wrong. That wasn't right what you did. You didn't treat me right. You cheated me. Well, whatever it is. Uh, and then, if they accept it, if they repent, then you've won a brother. Praise God for that. Man, wouldn't that be better if, if anybody have a time where you offended somebody or you did something, maybe you didn't even realize it, and it caused all kinds of problems where if they would have just came to you and talked to you, you would have been like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, you see that happening in families sometimes, in situations, um, uh, or groups, you know, uh, whether it's fellowships or whatever groups we're in. Um, it happens a lot where someone does something, someone else gets offended, and then it's like, if you just told me, I would. that's not what I meant. That's not what I was trying to say. That's not, that's not, I'm sorry. I didn't, you know, I wasn't trying to... Uh, and they would win you over. How much stronger would the body of Christ be if we all followed this pattern? Man, someone does you wrong, go to them. Talk to them. Um, uh, if you did somebody wrong, I'd, I'd rather have them come to me and talk to me and say, hey, this is what happened. Because there's a lot of times there's some misunderstanding along the way. You didn't mean to do it that way. You didn't mean to say it that way. Churches are filled with this. I mean, there, there are people that, you know, be in a church and, you know, one day the the pastor didn't say hi to him or you know something happened or he didn't call him or what you know whatever and they get offended and they never go talk to him they never do anything they go leave the church go somewhere else and they get offended there by somebody else and they never deal with it and it was like you know that day the 
pastor had a you know bomb threat or something. He was worried about that. That's why he didn't say hi. He was looking around to see if the bomb was there. Whatever. You don't even know what's going on. And they'll judge things on such a imbalanced judgment where if you just go talk to them, uh, how much stronger would the body be if we followed this example? Um and then he says, you know, but listen, hey, if you go to your brother and they don't listen to you, um, then take one or two others along so that the every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And that's the pattern God always has, two or three witnesses. Someone did you wrong, so you go to them, you talk to them, you're not able to resolve it, now you go with two or three others. This should be mature believers, right? Amen. <laughs> you can get elders that's great um especially like if you're in a church body or something uh people that are familiar with both of you is good or familiar with the situation is good you go and talk say hey listen this is what happened this is what you did this is what we need to you know how do we resolve this um and, and then if that doesn't work if they refuse to listen to them tell it to the church and if he refuses to listen to even the church then treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector um, and again, this is dealing with in the body. It's in the context of, of believers uh, that fellowship together. Uh, someone does wrong. You go to them. You talk to them. doesn't work out. Then you go two or three witnesses. You go and talk to them. They're still not willing to, to correct the thing. And obviously, this is you know more serious matters than just somebody like making some comment or whatever, some minor little thing. This is, this is getting into more major stuff. And then you bring it to the church. And then if they're still not willing to repent, then they are basically excommunicated is what he's talking about here you're you're casting them out you're saying you're not part of us anymore um i've seen this uh at work um not too terribly long ago there was a church i went to the youth pastor uh was struggling with uh pornography in that and the pastor talked to him and he started to go down the right path but was still fell into it and he went with two or three talked to him and he was still not getting it right and so he brought him before the church and before the church he testified to what was going on and he repented before the church um and there was a line of people that came up and said they were proud of him not proud because he had been uh delving into pornography and stuff but proud that he was willing to confess it before the church and that he was repenting of it and going to move down the right path and he turned his life around then uh, with the church's support and with the people's support, and he was loved and w has a successful life now and has not struggled with it as far as I know uh, anymore and was able to turn it around. Uh, so I've seen this work even to the point where it got to where it had to go before the church and then the person was able to repent and, and change their life around. So it, it definitely does work and it definitely is effective. And a goal, again... It's not that they're going to be cast out so you don't have to worry about messing with them anymore. The goal is that people have strong relationships and turn around and not be bringing a bunch of sin into the church and dealing with all that. Uh, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree to anything you ask for, it will be done to you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with you. Praise God. And there he just kind of leaves it with the, the whole, hey, listen, you guys are working together. You need to agree together. And one of the things I think about when he's talking about, you know, two or three agreeing together, because he's just dealing with where two or three aren't agreeing together. 
is saying, hey, that's what we need. We need the agreement. We need to deal with problems we have with other individuals. We need to be apologizing. We need to be repenting. We need to be having that strength of relationship because where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. Um, and praise God for that. I know we've all used that that verse, verse before because um, it's such a powerful thing. <laughs> and, of course, then Peter talks about to Jesus, well, how many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? And that's when he says 70 times seven. So praise God for that. Don't you love that Peter asked that question? You know, if he wouldn't have asked that question, we would have thought, huh, oh, you know, we only have to forgive our brother a little bit, and then, then we're good. Then we can not worry about it. We can turn him over to the devil. We can treat him like a tax. But then Jesus had to go and answer. 70 times seven. How many of you know he's saying you just kind of keep forgiving? I don't think we're supposed to be counting. <laughs> oh, man, that's like five times six. Oh, I'm up to a hundred times I've had to go. Yeah, no, just keep forgiving. Praise God. Uh, I'm done. Even though John left, I'm still done. <laughs> Anybody got anything? I just really think about how children are being treated these days and it just breaks my heart to see how many people are willing to lead children into darkness and down a wrong path and away from God. And they, I don't know, I think there's a lot of them that think they're actually doing something good or positive or something. They're so deceived you know, I think about the verse where it talks about, you know, deceiving and being deceived. And gosh, there's so many leaders in our country and people in, in education and higher positions and things like that that are just, they're deceived and they're being deceived. They just keep, and they and they, you listen to them talk and you think, have they even been to school? Do they have any, common sense ain't so common anymore. It's a no, mess. It's not. It's bad. All right. Anybody got anything? Close in prayer. Just a simple little message. So let's be like children. Let's be humble in our relationship with God. Let's be willing to find ways to reach out to the little ones and help them and um, do anything we can to protect them. Um, who knows, maybe the Holy Spirit will even spark something special in your heart that we can do. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you, Lord, that you love us as children. And I ask, Lord, that you will help us to just love others, reach out to others, to be that, that light we're called to be, to be that protector of, of children and lover of children and um, just be willing to stand up for their rights and, their, and protect them from all the evil and all the lies uh, I pray that those that are leading the charge against children will come to a place of repentance, especially some in key positions that know all the tricks that are being done and all the evil that's being done, that they'll come to a place of, re of repentance and then expose uh, what's happening and, and bring light to that uh, forces of darkness that are going after our children. I pray for our children that uh, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy and uh, for those that are just struggling with so many areas of depression and anger and 
fear and um, not knowing how to to deal with life and um, questions about sexuality and all the different things that kids go through. It's just it's such a mess, Lord. It's so different than when any of us grew up. And I just pray that uh, for your protection and to help us to be part of the solution and the answer and not part of the problem. In Jesus' name, amen.